0: everybody, welcome back to The Cabin and welcome to the first episode of the My Self for Lens podcast. I'm your host Sean James and I'm coming to you from my cabin in the wilderness of Ontario, Canada. Now this podcast is a long time coming. I've been talking about doing this for at least five years. My channel, my YouTube channel, I started in around 2016 and 2017 is when I started building a cabin and the channel started taking off and quite a number of subscribers have have come to watch me live a more self-reliant lifestyle, to build a cabin and a homestead in the wilderness. So I've grown from you know nothing back in 2016 to about uh, two and a half million subscribers over a couple of channels now on uh, on YouTube, and then of course all the other social media channels got quite a following there as well. So why would I start a podcast at this point? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. I'm starting to listen to podcasts myself a lot. So whenever I'm driving somewhere, driving into town, it's usually quite a distance that I'm driving. So instead of listening to music, I turn on podcasts. And I've been on a few podcasts as a result as well, uh, from people just reaching out to me knowing that I'm listening to their podcast. So it's uh, just something I think is a, it's a much easier form of communication, it's easier to follow, it's easier to listen than it is to watch something for a lot of people, including myself in a lot of cases, especially when I've bad internet. (laughs) There's Callie. You'll meet her and you'll see her quite quite often throughout the uh, podcast because I'm also recording these for the YouTube channel, for my Sean James channel, which is a smaller channel. So because this is new to me, I'm not sure exactly how these podcasts are going to be recorded and they're going to hit the air, like in what, in what order. Callie's, Callie, cut it out back there. Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure what order they're gonna come out in and what I'm gonna focus on initially. I do want to hear from you guys. I wanna hear what uh, you'd like to hear, what questions you have from me or what subject matters you'd like me to address to help you on your path to self-reliance. But I'm gonna start by reading the, the uh, dictionary definition um, and that is to rely on one's own efforts and abilities. Think independently and critically. Embrace your individuality. Actually, I've, this is not quite the, the uh, uh, definition I've added to it. But to think independently and critically. Embrace your individuality. Resist modernity to pursue a natural, healthier, more meaningful and satisfying life. So that's what it means to me. Now, of course, there's a lot of things that go into that. So the first thing I'd say when I... Frame the categories very, very broadly. Um, I I put them into acknowledge, adapt, and then prosper. And acknowledge is basically to to acknowledge that we're not living the life we want to live. We're not um, satisfied. And I'm, when I say we, I'm, I mean probably yourselves if you're watching and listening to me. Um, so to acknowledge that this modern world is not um, functioning very well. We have a lot of mental and health and physical illness as a result. And that I think getting back to nature is the answer. But first we have to acknowledge that there is a problem and that um, it's addressable. It's, it's something that we can overcome and, then tar- and we can start taking steps to improve our self-reliance. Um, but so just acknowledging that's the first thing. So then adapt would be to learn all the skills required and the mindset uh, required to pursue that life of uh, self-reliance. And to me, it's taking responsibility for your actions and not blaming others and not putting your hand out um, unless you really need help, so to just take on things for yourself and your family and your community, and then of course the prosper is when you when you learn each of these skills and apply them. So as you apply all the all these skills that you're learning, um, you're going to prosper in, in these different categories. You might not prosper broadly overall at first, but you're definitely going to first of all lose that fear as you become more proficient at something. You're addressing what you've learned is or the problems with the world and in your life uh, you adapt to those things and then you prosper as you uh, apply each of those skills so I have some tenets that have kind of developed over my lifetime but especially over the last 10 years now I'm going to go back later in this probably in this episode and talk about where I am now but where I came from and how how I lost everything and how I had to start over and that's why my self-reliance became a um real passion of mine so uh, i've written down these tenets that i have developed over time that i think are basically behaviors that are required in order to to live a more satisfying but uh, self-reliant and meaningful life so those are take responsibility for your thoughts feelings and actions i'm not going to expand on them right now just say what they are and then i'll address them in future podcasts or a little bit uh, later in this podcast So take responsibility for your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Stop blaming others. Chances are you are exactly where you are in life as a result of your own decisions and choices. Be accountable. Accept blame. No excuses. Have faith, but don't expect a higher power to carry your load for you. Don't take everything personally. The world does not revolve around you. I'll, I'll I'll, I'll spend some more time on that in another podcast because, of course, your perspective does revolve around you and the way you live your life is generally um, from your own perspective so that's not quite true but also doesn't anything that happens to you doesn't mean it's your fault and that it's something that you know the world's not out to get you. Uh, Plan for the future but live in the present live intentionally and in the moment. Control your emotions, be patient and practical accept and love yourself. All of us are deeply flawed despite what greatness you think you see in others. Walk softly but carry a big stick. We are equal parts good and evil. Stay connected to your dark and dangerous side, but keep it under control and only use it when it is necessary for survival and protection of your family. Fully express your good nature primarily, if possible. Work hard and then work harder. Carry as big a load as you can handle. Focus as much energy as possible directly on the basics, food and water, health, shelter, security, reproduction and community. Life is far more meaningful when you do so. Be natural. Despite what seems like progress, modern life is not good for us. We need to be outside, interacting with flora, fauna, fresh air and water, dirt, solar time, weather and seasons. We don't just need nature, we are nature. Strive to be the best that you can be, always. Acknowledge and accept the world as it is. Learn how to overcome the challenges inherent with living and apply those learned skills relentlessly. Manifest your true and full potential. Embody your beliefs. Become strong and resilient. Be selfish about getting your daily dose of nature, especially during sunrise and sunset. Now just to quickly go back to my story. So I was born in a small town north of Toronto, Ontario, Canada back in 1970, which makes me 53 at the time of the recording of this episode. So I lived on the edge of this small town and despite the fact that we were just typical lower middle class a family in this small town, um, I did all the traditional thing, typical things of a Canadian boy, I would say. I did some hunt, or some fishing as a kid, some camping with my family, and uh, played hockey and soccer. Those were my passions for most of my childhood, until about 18. And uh, just lived on the edge of this town, though. The township to the north of us, which was only a few hundred yards away, was still farmland. So that's where I spent a lot of my childhood, going into that forest and just playing in the forest, basically, and you know, making bows and arrows, and and uh, you know, trapping small game, and building shelters, building forts, and you know, sleeping in them, doing all kinds of crazy stuff back there. So that's where I spent a lot of my childhood, and where I developed a lot of my skills, and where I really developed this passion for the outdoors and for nature. So because of that passion, my parents really encouraged it. Um, especially my mother; she really encouraged me to to uh, uh, spend as much time in nature as possible. So when I was 17, I was working construction in the summers, so I'm making pretty good money. And uh, they helped me, my parents helped me buy a piece of property. It was a two and a half acre parcel on an island, on a bigger island, but on an island in a fairly remote lake in the uh, two and a half hours north of where I was living. So I went up there on weekends and built a small cabin, not a log cabin, just a stick frame cabin on this island. And every weekend that's where I'd spend my time, just fishing and sleeping in the bush and then i um, in a tent or some open air until I was able to build that little cabin. Um, so that was amazing. I learned a lot of skills, outdoor skills then. And then when, then two years later, uh, I ended up selling that property and buying a mainland property just for more convenience but a little bit bigger property five and a half acres and I bought it with my sister and her boyfriend at the time now things uh, went so pretty quickly with that one see uh, the sister and her boyfriend split up I think very soon after we purchased that property so I was kind of stuck with it but I spent a lot of time there but I really couldn't afford to keep it I had paid off my portion with the profit I made from selling that first property but um two-thirds of it, so $30,000 of it was still owing, was still mortgage, so I had to try to carry that, which I did for the next 10 years, uh, which would be a future story, I had to get out of it. But on that property, I actually um, built a log cabin, and I lived in that for a short time. And that's really where I was headed with my life, that's what I wanted to do with my life, was to just be kind of a hermit, and spend uh just my whole time hunting and fishing and exploring the wilderness but um things didn't work out I ended up having to pay that mortgage so i came out of the bush got a job in construction with my dad um took a, sh- a sheet metal trade so i was working on rooftops doing commercial sheet metal and uh, and i met my wife and ended up spending 20 years uh just kind of raising a family and, and being a lot more um typical and and responsible <laughs> Which I don't regret at all, That was an awesome time to, and I I wouldn't, uh, you know, family is my priority, still is. But the passion or the attraction of living an outdoor lifestyle never left me. In the middle of that, during that period, I was working, um, like I said, as a sheet metal apprentice and then a journeyman, and then I was offered a position in the office of the the, uh, company that I was working for. So I ended up getting into the office and worked my way up, became a manager and then a district manager when that company was bought out by a bigger one. And uh, things were just getting crazier, more hectic and more uh, uh, there was more pressure on me to expand that territory of that company and to kind of take it across Eastern Canada. And it was starting to impact my family life. So what we decided, my wife and I, was that I would start a, a company uh, competing company with that company. I'll keep competing in the same uh, same uh, category of construction but keep it local. So try to grow it but to, and make a decent living but keep it local enough that it wasn't impacting my family life. So that's what I did but five years later the 2008 financial crisis hit. It uh, came up to Canada in 2010. All my customers were going out of business and leaving me hanging and it buried buried me buried our company so because it was new my company was only uh, what five years old at the time I had personally guaranteed all of the credit all of the material purchasing and the the uh, equipment and all that kind of stuff vehicles personally guaranteed it so when we went out of business I couldn't declare bankruptcy I couldn't walk away from any of that debt I had to take it on personally and uh, The result was about $750,000 of that I took personally. So that just, (laughs) that was 2000 and it was the end of 2010 when we shut the door. So 2011, I was just dealing with the fallout from that. So spending just countless time in court, fighting with creditors and trying to be fair with uh, what money we could get from selling equipment and, and materials while I'm still trying to raise my family and and keep things going at home. Very, very stressful time. And, uh, you know, eventually we worked our way through it. I was able to pay off by, by keeping another business going and expanding that. It's able to pay off all that debt, pay off our house so we could keep our family in the same house and then uh, move on. Which that took uh, probably what, three years maybe after, so maybe by 2013 or so. It's when we paid off that that debt and put um, just enough money away after paying all the debt and paying the house off to allow me to focus on something that I was gonna be more passionate about and to, that I would be able to continue to do and be happy doing it. Because the business I was in, to be honest, was just, it was not my passion, it was something I did and I did a good job of and I could have recovered, I think, if I spent more time doing that. But uh, my passion was not there. It was um, I was losing that meaning in my life. So my family was the only thing I was getting happen- happiness from. I wasn't having an, as much time to spend in the outdoors, so it, it just gave me time to sit back and reflect and figure out exactly what I, what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And during that period where we were struggling financially, I had to go get a job for somebody, and half my wages were garnished. So I, you know barely bringing any money home just enough to to survive on but we had made choices we had sat down and and prioritized what meant the most to us and of course next to family uh, the kids came first next thing would would have been food and and uh, just staying uh, fairly rural and staying in a small town and and uh, just becoming more self-sufficient so we It's a long story and I'll get into it, I guess, in, in more episodes. But basically, we uh, approached a local farmer and uh, through that farmer met an um, investor who owned a piece of land right within walking distance from our house, 118 acres. And he had bought it as an investment, but it was uh, it used to be an operating farm. So he, was, he let us basically use the land and, and just keep an eye on it for him and, and find somebody to rent the house but the land itself um, and the barn and everything just let us have full access to it. So I put up uh, electric fencing and a and, uh, little shelter, running shelter and some water. And we raised uh, cattle, Dexter Cattle, which is a small breed of cows. So it was a good initiation for us. Good way to learn how to, to raise livestock. And then I had some heritage uh, pigs uh, uh chickens, like egg laying chickens, which we also had at our house and had for a number of years. Just in our suburban backyard, half acre backyard. Um, What else we had? Oh, meat birds, meat chickens. So I raised a hundred meat chickens at a time. We were selling this meat as well as uh, providing for for our own family. And then um, quail and rabbits and stuff like that. So we learned a lot during that period. But uh, when we were, When I got into this business, or I built this uh, solar energy business, is what it was, it was something I was pretty passionate about too. At the time, I thought that was a good way to help uh, deal with some of our environmental issues, but (laughs) I'll get into that in the future as well. Anyway, during that period, we learned a lot. Just like I said, becoming more self-sufficient meant uh, growing our own food, growing a vegetable garden, clearing half the backyard, taking out all the grass, and and growing, um, what, uh, 10,000 square feet of, uh, that what it was, 10,000 square feet. Yeah, I guess it was close to 10,000 square feet of vegetables and fruit. And uh, still I went back to doing a little bit more hunting and fishing and raising those livestock, like I said. So we did get pretty good control of our life. We were able to minimize our costs. We sold um, a boat that we had. We sold an SUV that my wife was driving and got the cheapest and most fuel efficient car we could find at the time, which was a Volkswagen, Volkswagen, Jetta, a diesel, manual transmission. I still had my truck, but I bought a little uh, Sentra, Nissan Sentra, a little old car that I could drive around where the gas was not going to be too expensive. So we made a lot of changes. So we learned how to be more frugal, and then we also learned how to, to uh, cut our costs by uh, providing a lot more for ourselves. So fast forward that, um, that basically became the My Self Reliance brand as we were working on and uh, becoming more self-sufficient ourselves and our our family. Uh, it just made sense to start documenting that. It started by creating a website, uh, selling some uh, con- consulting uh, work that I did for people, other people that were trying to do the same thing, like branding especially, how to build a website. And uh, like I said, documenting uh, the process of becoming self-reliant. And that included a lot of wilderness tripping. You know, had it set up for uh, solo camping and and fishing, especially fishing in the backcountry. Started there, and then thought, let's I got to keep going with this and relive my childhood and my uh, continue with the passion that um, I had when I was younger to living more off grid and building a, a log cabin and building a self sufficient homestead. And we found fifty or twenty acres for fifty thousand dollars, which was a deal at the time in an unorganized township and I started building the cabin and that just evolved into a complete homestead where we were uh, able to live in that cabin. My wife joined me living in that cabin for a while, which was pretty pretty interesting. Um, That was awesome. Uh, But anyway, we had some neighbor issues and again, if you've been following along on the YouTube channels, of course you know all of this. But uh, for anybody that's new to the channel or new to this podcast, um, I'll... (laughs) Kind of, i guess in the show notes what i'll do is give links to the videos where you can learn more about this more in sequence but i'll also talk more on future podcasts about this but uh, basically we had some neighbor issues ended up selling that place and i'd already bought this property as a hunting property it's um equally remote i would say to the other one uh, but less uh, neighbor, potential neighbor issues completely surrounded by crown land which is our version in Canada of of, uh, public lands. So those will never be developed. So I'm completely surrounded by that. I have no immediate neighbors. I have one neighbor within walking distance who live here uh, full time. They're they're an older couple, retired couple, and they're completely self-sufficient as well. There's no electricity available in this area. So um, us and and them are living completely off-grid with no ability to live on-grid. So, fires for food and cooking, for cook, or for cooking and heat. Um, solar energy for running, like the freezer in the basement and the lights and things like that. And uh, some fuel, of course, for the backup generator and the ATV and snowmobile. But other than that, uh, pretty self-sufficient. We could be completely, if we, if we put a little bit more effort into it. I w- well, I would say this, we're as self-sufficient as we could be if we didn't have access to modern fuel, we could still survive. This would be slightly less comfortable. So that's where we're, we are now, and that's where we are con- going to continue to head, is to have two properties completely set up, off-grid, or self-sufficient, and completely able to uh, not just survive, but to thrive on these properties, for not just my wife and I, but for our extended family as well, including our two girls. So that's what I'm documenting. If you're interested in that, I would suggest watching the YouTube channels as well. But if you just would rather hear it in podcast form, what I'll do is I'll, I'm going to uh, talk, I'll have solo episodes, quite a number of them, where I'll just talk like this, talk to you, talk about what's going on in my life at the time, what I'm working on probably, of what I've learned. Let's say I'm doing a solar installation or a water catchment system or something. I'll kind of talk you through what I'm doing here on the podcast but I'll also film that and document it so that you can watch it on the YouTube channels as well. But um, I'm gonna try to just make it so that <laughs> you're not losing anything. I'm go- so I give you everything you need to do to just listen to it if that's your preferred method of consuming content. But it's, it's gonna be busy. Um, my daughter is helping me, um, Emily. She's gonna help with the editing of these episodes and uh, distribution and uh, maybe with the advertising so we can help pay for this thing. So um, thank you to Emily for that, and if you're interested in just following along with her perspective too, she also has a YouTube channel, Emily Ashling, and I'll also always provide the link to her channel and my channel is in the descriptions or in the uh, show notes or whatever they call it for these podcasts. So that's it for the, for this episode. I uh, look forward to uh, filming a lot more. I look forward to having a lot of guests. Um, anything that I'm interested, I'm going to have guests on that are uh, hopefully experts in whatever um, whatever subject matter I'm trying to learn more about and I think that you would benefit from. So I'll have guests, these solo episodes and a lot more probably family episodes as well where I have at least one of my daughters, Emily. I'm not sure Aaron would be interested in doing this, but Emily uh, certainly would. Maybe I'll even be able to convince my wife to come on. But who knows, each week will be a little bit different. And that will be the, the goal, would be to get an episode out at least once per week. So that's it, thanks for listening, thanks for watching if you're on YouTube, and I look forward to seeing you back here at the cabin next time. Take care.